Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. So you saw this documentary uh, that just came out on Tiger Woods, right? I did. I did. What'd you think of it? Um, I liked it. I mean, um, I've said on the podcast before, I wasn't always a Tiger guy. So it brought me back to the era when I wasn't really watch. I was watching because everybody was watching, but I wasn't necessarily rooting for him. Um, however, it was nice to see the background of where he came from. Yeah. I had known little bits and pieces of it, but I didn't know how extreme it really was from his dad, basically his dad's perspective, right? right. Um, the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, I wonder if Team Tiger or Tiger's Camp signed off on this documentary because yeah. I wasn't 100% sure if it painted him in the best light. But I think, you know, when HBO does something sports-related, they always do an outstanding job. So I really liked it. Um, I've since become uh, a more of a rooting fan for Tiger than I was back in the day. Yeah. But seeing him do his stuff is is really quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. What did you, like, did you, was there anything in that documentary that surprised you? Um, I, what, what surprised me, I think the most is just how much of a, under a microscope he was. And you'd think that I would have known that all along, but to be able to be anointed at such a young age, to be the savior of the sport, like LeBron James was for basketball, being right. the king, you know, when you're anointed the king in high school, there's only way, one way to go from there and that's down. Um, seeing how he dealt with the pressure and how he was able to deal with that while compartmentalizing his side action blew me away. I don't know how he was able to put all that to the side and go out for four rounds and just dominate his competition, knowing in the back of his mind that he was doing things that were... You mean the affairs? Are you talking affairs, about the affairs? The 100% the affairs. Yeah, being able to put that to the side, knowing probably deep down he was doing something that could get him into trouble, but being able to put it aside and go out and play golf for four rounds blew my mind that you can do that, you know? See, here's, here's the thing. So, you know, I remember when... When all of that news broke um, with him in the car and, you know, having the accident, then the affairs came out and everything. Uh, but you got, you you, you kind of got like uh, whatever version the news and they wanted to release that was telling you. I think this was a much more honest version of his life. And I think it kind of balances the story out. At least it does for me because it, it there's a lot of things that make a lot more sense to me just watching it from a psychological perspective as to what happened to him. See, for once, once I saw it, to me, it makes complete sense why he was able to do it because all of it was part of the same psychology. And, you know, the, to see his father um, and to know who his father was and say the things that, you know, his father did uh, and then the way his father actually treated him, there's this very interesting dynamic that I believe happens. First of all, here's, I think this is something that people need to know that's 100% true. Whenever you see someone who is great at something, right, better than average, and and then, of course, you go to like to the superstar level that sure. some of these guys do, there is something 
that was dysfunctional in the background. Now, I know there are probably people that would argue with that, but here's the truth. There's something that's dysfunctional in everybody's background. You oh, know? yeah, nobody's lily white. If you, yeah, so if you see, so it's like, it's kind of like this is an interesting place for the law of polarity to come in. When you see something magnificent, there needs to be something that this was born out of in order to actually get there. Why is a person so driven to be the absolute best um, in, in a sport or, or in anything? Like It doesn't matter sure. what it is. But what I one of the things that I gleaned from this that I thought was really fascinating was just how isolated Tiger was by his father's choice. I mean, his father really kept him in this bubble of the dad controlling everything that Tiger experienced in his life. Like when you see him when he has his first girlfriend, right? And he is he's he's kind of shocked, you know, he's He's trying to be a normal kid or a normal boy in this situation. You hear the girlfriend's perspective. He was really completely locked in this psychological bubble that the the father created. And it was all created with the idea that the dad would be the star that made the kid. Right. You know, however, if you if you really look at this from the perspective of what is it that happened to him that would cause not only his greatness, but the behavior that everybody then ended up judging, which became his downfall, which I'll, I'll get into later, but I think this could have all been avoided to, sure. to start off with. Um, how Tiger felt about himself was actually being controlled by the dad, meaning that whether Tiger felt a sense of love or joy or upset or disappointment or winning or losing – those were not emotions that he he was allowed to have all on his own experience. It was really determined by his father. His father was the one that was determining whether he felt good about what he just did or if he felt like a piece of shit about what he just did. And whenever you have a parent that's that's that domineering, that overbearing with a kid, the entire experience is based on whether or not you have your dad's permission to feel anything. Right. Right. His only, so if, and we've talked about this on, on many podcasts, you take a, you take a little baby, that little baby built into its DNA has to, has to know, uh, not from a, not from an intellectual perspective, but just from a, a responsive perspective that without the parents, it dies. Right. So there's automatically this power differential, uh, when a, when a little child is born and for, human beings, that's a long time. There's a long time where parents have to be involved with the kid in order to maintain health and the child moving forward and growing and all of that stuff. If you have someone that is not raising a kid to the place where they really try to help that child find out who they are and then help them build their self-esteem in who they are and then gradually over a period of years you help build confidence in that child so that they can step out into the world and be their own man or woman or, or whatever it is. Um, you have someone who's domineering and, and everything in that child's life's being controlled by the parent. And the, the point that I want to emphasize here is it's not just the golf. It's how Tiger showed up in his world, how he experienced his world was all around this idea 
of him being the best. And it wasn't just the best, right? So this part, I didn't actually know. When the father really believed that Tiger was going to change the world in so many different ways outside of golf, the responsibility and the pressure that was being put on him to do that was all based on the idea that he has to be the best at this one thing in order to be able to fulfill the father's dream. The bigger vision. The bigger vision, totally. The bigger vision. To transcend the sport and be a global phenomenon, not just on the golf course, but evoke change worldwide on a global level. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, obviously those are narcissistic tendencies on the father's part. Huge, right? To, to see that. But the, but when I watched this, I was really shocked to see just how much the dad was controlling every experience the tiger had. Now, why? let me tell you why I'm saying that this is important to you. Because later on, when you start to see him attempt to break out and the parents destroy that for him, right? They want to get rid of the girlfriend. Correct. You know, he writes that letter to the girlfriend. He's going to stay with mom and dad. They berate the hell out of him, you know, scare him, control him. At that, po- at that moment there, you really see just how much control the parents have over this teenage boy, right? So now he only knows his father in a few different ways. He knows him as dad, the guy that's that's teaching him how to golf. He knows he knows his father's past being a green beret. And the other behavior that he's consistently exposed to is his dad's philandering right. with women, whether it was in the van at the golf course or wherever it was, he was exposed to those behaviors. This is where this very interesting parallel showed up for me with Michael Jordan. Because what did we see Jordan do when his father died? Jordan had his own breakdown of sorts, even though it wasn't viewed at that as, as the time, right? It was like, why would he go do the things that he's doing? But in a lot of ways, it was seen to be proactive. Like he wasn't getting into drugs or, you know, crazy stuff. I mean, we all know that, that he's a, he's a huge gambler, but nothing ever seemed to be, excuse me, out of control for what he was doing. But the baseball was his father's dream. That was his, right? Right. That was the father's dream. So I think that when you have you have these very interesting parallels, you have Jordan's father dies, Jordan goes into the minor leagues, and he's going to do the very best that he can to, to play ball. Tiger's father dies, and he starts going to hang out with the Navy SEALs, right? Right. And the, the, I think it's this that he was trying to find another way to connect with the person that controlled how he experienced the world. And it was the same for, like, Jordan's father was in every game, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It was always about pleasing dad for both of these guys. For both of them, yes. And I, with Tiger, one of the things that I think made this even worse for Tiger, Jordan had to learn how to play on a team. You know, he played a team sport, right? So even though he dominated the team, I mean, we all know the stories of how he dominated his team, he still had to participate with other men in order to be able to win. It just wasn't a solo deal. Right. Well, Tiger, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it, golf is a very individual sport. You don't have a team. You are solely relying on yourself and, to go out there and do it. And how did you see, because I because you followed all this stuff way more than I did, especially from the sports perspective, yeah, yeah. how did other 
other golfers that he was playing against, how did they relate to him? Back then. You know, that's I think that's what initially turned me off to not being a Tiger guy. I mean, rooting for him week in and week out because he was very aloof. He was very confident and he dominated everybody on the tour. And I think he he had an icy demeanor about him when he stepped on his court, his, you know, the course. He was there to just completely obliterate you and not give any shits about what it is that you brought. So from that standpoint, he was, I would say, if you look back, he had very few friends. He didn't let people into that inner circle. There was a few, but not many. And what's interesting about it is there was an evolution post the affairs and the crash and the DUI that you started to see him let down that guard, that carefully crafted image that was crafted by Earl and Tita, that he let that down. And now he's a locker room guy. He stays after tournaments. He's got friends or is friendly. You can see that. Doesn't mean he still doesn't want to dominate you and doesn't want to go out there and compete, but you're starting to see that evolution change. But at the time, back then when he was coming out in the late 90s and through the 2000s, it was not like that. Like I said, he had a select amount of people that he would consider as friends, but outside of that... He was there to do business. And I think a lot of the old school guys on any sport appreciate that. There will be people in the NBA, like the Michael Jordans, who will see the superstars of today being all huggy and good game after a a heated battle. That would not happen back in those 80s and 90s when Jordan was running the court and ruling the court. You kept that completely separate. You might get together down in, you know, the Bahamas and play around a golf with your buddies, but on the court, you were there to kill, kill or be killed. So it's just interesting to see how that's evolved. The old school guys love the way he dominated, but see, that always turned me off because I was rooting for the underdog. I knew that Tiger was going to be there week in and week out. I always wanted that chance for the little guy to come up and beat him. Well, that, you know, that even makes it, in my mind, more interesting because the only person that Tiger could then get a sense of friendship or fellowship or love or validation from was his dad. Right. Even more so than his mother. Right. You know? Oh, totally. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure he got something from mom, but dad was really the cornerstone of that whole thing. So then... He, he's he's doing all this crazy stuff with the seals. I mean, they showed how beat up his his body was. Yeah. And then you find out there's there's all these affairs. Now it's not a coincidence that the two things Tiger turns to when his dad dies is the same two things that his father did, which was he was a Green Beret, right? So he had this military, disciplinary um, um, education and mindset. Correct. And he was a philanderer, right? He was a huge philanderer. So, you know, over the years, I remember, I remember there were a few times that we've talked about this in the past, a couple of years ago or whatever. We've had some interaction. People responded to that episode and they asked us some questions about it. And there was a huge judgment about him just being a womanizer and, you know, cheating on his wife and, and all, all this stuff. All or nothing thinking. He was a womanizer. Woman, once a womanizer, always a womanizer right. is what I remember hearing a lot of comments. Right, right. Well, the, the I think the fascinating thing about this, because I didn't know, I mean, the, the documentary just came out, so right. obviously nobody really knew this. But it really had nothing to do with the women, and, I'm, and, and it had nothing to do with the SEALs either. It, he, you're talking about a guy, and this is the same thing with Jordan, so desperate 
so lost as to how to move through the world without their fathers that they do whatever they can in their mind to be close to them again. That's why you see Jordan with the baseball. That's why you see Tiger with the seals. And that's why you see Tiger with the women. And, and the other thing with the women that's very interesting, because you won't find this in much any other kind of an interaction, there's an intimate acceptance that takes place with the sex part, right? I mean, you've got somebody who's accepting you. And when they started interviewing these women, every one of them were basically like, he's a god, right? He's a god because of who he is. So what did that do for the women? It made them feel special, correct? right? And of course, that specialness and that adoration was then turned, reflected back to Tiger, which did what? It told him the same thing his father told him all of his life, how great he was, how amazing he actually was. So the only way that he could actually get this was through what he perceived to be, how can I have this connection with my father again, right? And then what happens as a result of that connection? Because I heard some people say like, oh, he went and did the SEAL thing because he felt guilty and he was getting beat up. I don't think that has anything to do with it at all. He chose those two things because it was the only things that got him close in his mind psychologically again to his father. The, and the, the, the resemblance to Jordan's behavior is remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable that they both did almost the exact same thing. Even though, you know, Tiger went down the, the, the drug route and, you know, he got involved in a, in a lot of other things. I think probably... The main reason why it was worse for Tiger than it was for Jordan was because Jordan did have friends. Jordan did have people around him. And Jordan did something also that was very interesting. If you go back to the Jordan documentary, Jordan, I think, had some insight into how crazy off the rails this could go because he picked the guy, the older man that worked for his security and made him like a pseudo-father. Right. And kept him around him all the time because he needed somebody to be able that he could put in that position to be able to pull him back if he was going too far. And Jordan did that. Tiger didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. Yeah, he didn't have anybody checking him. No. Like his, like his, he, I don't know who was in his inner circle at the time, but they clearly were not keeping tabs on what he was doing because this was a completely separate well, secret life he was yes, living. Yes, but look what he did with his, with his golf, with his, um, uh, with his caddy. Yeah, with Steve, right? yeah. Yeah, so he had that guy for yeah. how long, and then he just, just... cut him loose. Just cut him loose. Yeah, yeah. He just cut, completely cut him loose. Right, he wasn't willing to listen, and he was getting so brazen at that point where, like, it, he was he was almost... He almost got to a point with that last one that actually led to the crash on that Thanksgiving night. He was getting so brazen, they weren't even trying to really hide it. He thought he maybe was hiding it. It's almost like he wanted to get caught. Did you get a sense like he, maybe he didn't want to get caught, but I got this sense like he knew he was walking a slippery slope and maybe it was better if something were to happen. I don't know. That was a really interesting turn for me. I remember at the time thinking, you don't want to see anybody go through what he went through and especially your heroes, somebody who's at the top. But then as I say that out loud, there's a lot of people out there that were waiting for something like that. When you get to the top of the mountain, people want to knock you off. Yeah. That's a, that's another thing. Yeah. That, I don't know. I just, re I just felt like he was, they weren't taking the proper precautions. Not that you, not that I'm condoning hiding that kind of shit, but you know, they were really looking it felt to me like they were going to get, he was ready to get caught. I don't know. Well, yeah. So, so I don't know if you take a look at that, 
the one of the interesting things about it is that there is this psychological perspective where a person is crying out for help in a way where it gains attention right. and, and because they can't actually ask for help, right? However, I think that, there, that, that, may be, that may be true there that at some point, but I think what was more likely true when it started to slip up was that he was so desperate for that attention, he was no longer being careful. You get, so the, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird thing because the average person is not going to really understand this because they've never been in a situation like this. But when your whole semblance, your grounding, so to speak, comes from one person, right. That's which, is da- which is dad. And when that goes, he's like in free fall. Now, like his whole life is in free fall. He, he's trying to grab onto something. He doesn't know what to grab onto. And nothing is actually grounding him like his father would, right? Because nothing can because dad had that authority. So he tries the seal thing. That doesn't do it. He tries the women. That's just spiraling out of control as fast as it possibly can because he can't get back to the place that he was. And this, was, this would be... You know, when this happens with a with a with a child in normal circumstances, a child is gradually led to the place where they understand how to ground themselves. It happens over a long period of time with many different circumstances and hopefully guidance from parents and teachers and other people of authority in that child's life and there's mistakes or whatever. But the whole idea is that the child doesn't spiral that far out. This only happened with one person. And then there was nobody else in his mind that had that authority. That's why nobody else could get him to to change his behavior. Nobody could get him to do anything else because there was only one person that he had in his mind that could do that was dad. So the whole spiraling out of control had to be, how can I figure out how to get control of my own life again? That's why it was getting worse. And I mean, that scene where he's pulled over and he thinks he's in a different state or right. whatever. Like he's so he's he's gone. Like he's yeah. just he's totally gone. I mean, that was that was rock bottom. For that's sure. the dark night. Like of the seeing soul. that, like it was that was hard to see. I mean, I'm sure there there were a lot of people that took a lot of joy, you know, from seeing something like that happen because people are just sick. They just want people to fail. There's a lot of people out there that did take that route when he's walking up, and you know, the documentary at the beginning. He's, they, they show that scene where he's walking into the cell and sitting there to take that now famous, you know, mug shot. It's just hard to see that whole thing. And you know, you know where this documentary is taking you. And to know that it's going there is tough. But you know that there's also right. a redemption arc that comes out of that. But what I find interesting about this whole thing, David, is just, you know, how we anoint these athletes, actors, these people we put on a pedestal. And very rarely, very rarely do they go through completely unscathed. And I think Tiger was one of those. And what is, what is interesting about this is the image that was crafted by his dad, like what you were just talking about, that isolation, you're going to go out there to beat everybody. It actually ended up being one of his biggest detriments when Earl passed away, even though Tiger still went out and dominated the tour. Like he won so many times after his dad, you know, left the earth, but still it was one of those situations where he didn't have anybody around him, like you said, and that was crafted from day one. And Earl had to have thought he was going to live forever because 
if he, if you make it about one person, narcissism, if you make right. it about one person and that person goes away, it's very dangerous. And Tiger was the recipient of that. So very, very. it's so interesting to me that he allowed that to go on, even when he knew he was, I guess you can't just shut it off. Like he couldn't just say, okay, no. now Tiger, you can open up to everybody because maybe he needed that edge to, to be competitive. I don't know. But the fact that Earl, you know, beat into him from an early age. You are the chosen one. Everybody else is secondary. It's me and you, kid, from here on out to see what happened after he... I mean, he did dominate on the golf he course did. still, but outside of life, he was seeking... He was chasing ghosts. Yeah. He was chasing ghosts. Totally chasing ghosts. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great terminology for it. That You know, the father is the all-or-nothing thinking. It's, it's that yeah. trauma brain. It's the narcissism. It's all-or-nothing thinking. And... That's the other thing about somebody that's a narcissist. They don't do the self-reflection hardly at all. You know, yeah. if they do it, it's only in a way to be able to manipulate something in their world. But if, so, of course, he's not going to think that he's going to die or get sick or that anything's going to go wrong because he believes 100% in what he's doing and where he's actually thinking that he's, you know, that he's, that he's taking Tiger. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, th one thing that I want to know your take on, and I think this is really, really powerful because I remember having this conversation when like a lot of other people were going through and dealing with these types of things. You know, it happened with Kobe Bryant when he was put on trial. Yeah. Um, it happened with, with Tiger when he came out and had that really orchestrated press conference. Yeah. We had talked about at the time, I believe that by him coming out and apologizing for his actions, it was not probably the best move. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And why, why that is something that it's really nobody else's damn business what he does off the, off the course. It's between him and his family. But you had some pretty, pretty powerful opinions at the time. Yeah, I, I, so I think that, um, uh, number one, what, the part of the problem is that like, remember you, you, a few minutes ago, you said how we put these people on a pedestal. Yes. So part of that inflated ego gets perpetuated on him by the rest of us, all of us that admire what he does, everybody that thinks it's great, how the news uses it to sell papers and advertising and whatever, right? So they're going to build up, build up, build up, build up. If you're not careful, if you're really not careful, you get to the point where you believe it, where you think you're infallible. Now, the moment that something goes wrong, which there's always going to be something going wrong, and if the news can grab onto it, it's just going to sell more papers for the news, right. right? The second you play into that where you think you have to apologize, like this had nothing to do with anybody except his wife and the other women that he was with. I personally would not have done that. I would have, I would have been it. like this. I would own it. Like, this is yeah. what I did. This yeah. is what I did. Now, my in the beginning, before I understood what was behind all of this, my philosophy was, okay, well, if this is who he is as a person, he just wants to have, you know, this um, no rules sex life. Like, that's totally fine if he's with adults and everybody agrees that that's the deal, but don't lie to your wife, right? Be honest. Say, this is what I want. And if she doesn't want that, you've got to find somebody that does. And then you live, you live that life. But then when it comes down to what everybody else would, you know, instead of apologizing, you own it. Yep, it's exactly yeah. what I did. And I'm not discussing anymore because it's not any of your damn business. Yeah, and I think a lot of people make that mistake. And I, I don't mean to say you shouldn't apologize. He should apologize to his wife. He should totally. apologize to his kids. Yeah. He should apologize to the women that were involved. Right. But coming out to try and appease 
you know, your sponsors or to yeah. try and appease your fans and apologize. He should, he should have just said, you know what? Look, I did this thing. This is who I am. I'm getting help for it. And he, he tried to say that, but the way it came off was so orchestrated and it really wasn't a good look in my opinion. No, it's not because here's the thing. When you, even if, even if it's true that you get caught, you feel bad, it's still like everybody knows you're only apologizing because you got busted, right? That's true. Now, you, I'm not saying that the person doesn't have remorse. Maybe it's that's the thing to straighten a person out. But the deal is this. He would have never been in a position to have to apologize had he just been honest about what he, what he wanted and, yeah. and who he was. But see, that was another thing that his father taught him was to be deceptive. Yeah, sure. So you can't, if something is not in your conscious awareness, you're not going to do it. Everything that framed the way this guy thinks was created by Earl and 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 the mom, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. To not realize how this could send somebody off the rails, to just completely ignore the signs, because if you watch the movie or you watch the documentary, you could see the signs were totally there. The girlfriend knew, the first girlfriend knew, that something was seriously wrong, you know, yeah. in, in this situation, then, you know, it, it becomes extraordinarily toxic. And, and that's what happens. And you said, I, it's very rare that somebody gets through unscathed. I don't think anybody ever gets through unscathed no, right. because number one, we're imperfect. We all make mistakes. And it is, it is a complete projection of society on the heroes and the villains of the world to project on them that judgment of what they see or don't see in themselves. So that's why when they go up, we go up. When they go down, they're they're like, you know, they're like lions in the in the arena. Yeah, they're, there's like a saturation point that comes with fame where you are constantly rooting for them to get to the pinnacle. And once they get there, it's almost like they overplay it like that favorite song on the radio. By the time it's been played on the radio a hundred times, you're so over it, you don't ever want them to play it again. That's the rise and the fall of fame. And I think it's just so it's so fascinating when you look at someone like Tiger who really has exceeded all expectations except for one, and that was the one all or nothing that Earl wanted, and that was chasing Jack Nicklaus's record. Yeah. And at this time, I think he needs like four more to beat Jack, three to maybe tie. At this accelerated age, and I know it's kind of funny because he's like, what, 45 years old, uh, the body, the wear and tear on the body it's going to be difficult for him to do it. If he is going to do it, it's probably going to be by winning the Masters many times. But How many back surgeries this guy Oh, had? my God. I, I know he just had one recently, and that's like his third fusion that he's done. He's had multiple work on his knees. I mean, golf, you know, you look at it. It's so interesting. Golf, it doesn't look very physical. You're just thinking right. you got a bunch of guys who are walking around on beautiful manicured grass. You get hit a little ball. What you the hell is so ball, physical about that? Take the ball, put it in the hole. It's the easiest thing in the world, right? But after going and golfing all my life, it takes a toll. After 18 holes, and I don't play nearly to the the way these guys do, I'm exhausted after playing 18 holes, and I make maybe 80, 90 swings throughout the the round. These guys go. First thing in the morning, they hit 10,000 range balls. Then they go out and play a full round of golf, and then they hit the range again for a couple hours to cool down. They're at the golf course for six, eight hours doing nothing but swinging. It takes a toll on your body, and you're seeing that with Tiger. But one thing I wanted to get back to, which I think is really interesting, is just kind of thinking about, you know, how he was able to take, like, all the pressure of, of being Tiger Woods. I mean, that first Nike ad, yeah. you got to admit, they put a whole heap on this young kid and he came out and exceeded expectations by blowing the field away at yeah. the Masters. 
I just wonder what it takes from a mindset perspective to be able to take all that pressure and feed off the Kobe Bryant was the same way. Kobe wanted you to boo him. He wanted you to doubt him. And the second you did, he'd step on your throat and cut your head off. Well, so so here's the thing. And it was and Jordan was the same way. Jordan's the same way. Jordan's the same way. Absolutely. With Jordan, we know the exact thing that happened that caused that. When his dad told him to go in the house with the rest of the women when he didn't know what the 916th yes. wrench was, right? So when when a person has an experience where they really desperately want the approval of one of the parents, and the parents make that approval conditional, right? What ends up happening is if you have the personality like a Jordan or a Kobe or, or a Tiger, it all becomes about the parent starts to condition the kid. Here's what you have to do to get this approval. The better you get, the more approval I'll, I'll give to you. But it's it's marginal at best, right? And very often you don't ever get it. So what does that cause a person to do? They have an intense drive to get better and better and better and better. And the thing that, fear, that, that infuriates them the most and pushes them the most is when they don't get it. When they don't get it, sure. when it's when when somebody holds back or they give them negative intention, because the parent conditioned them to keep going at like that's like it's like constantly hanging the the you know the carrot in front of this person saying, if you do a little bit better, you get the carrot, and then you move it a little bit better, you get the carrot, and you move it. That person like psychologically they work up in their mind. Uh, to be completely moving away from the pain, and they want that thing, but they never, they never quite get it. That's why nothing is ever good enough for these people, right? And I, and I, you know, here's the thing: I hate saying that because that would almost, it would almost appear like there's this place where everybody should stop or, or whatever. And I think that we can continue to move through our entire life. Things may have to change a little bit, but when it becomes, when it becomes this idea where the person's not happy and it becomes destructive like we've seen there's it's not about the winning it's about love he didn't know how to get love any other way right it was all it was all controlled by earl jordan didn't know how to get it any other way it was controlled by his father now it appears with jordan that he's he's moved out of that there wasn't too much catastrophe in his life you know he's got a pre, he doesn't have a big disaster uh, thing that happened in his life. He had some, he had some, you know, divorce and some other problems. Like everybody else has those, those issues, but nothing that was, that was huge. But again, we said, you know, he had people around him. So I think, that, yeah. I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah. So for the, the non-sports fans out there that are listening into this, what do you, what do you think they could benefit by watching the Tiger documentary that recently released on HBO? Well, I think one of the things that they could benefit from it is to understand that his, he was he talented? Yes, he was talented. Was he driven? Yes, he was driven. But he was also being compelled by an unseen force that was driving him almost to the insanity point, if, I mean, we could probably agree that passed it, um, in order to to maintain something that had nothing to do with golf, and that was the love of his father. That's all this guy was ever after, to begin with. And it appears like he's healed it and he's worked through it, and he's, you know, and and he's doing well. But the remnants of that will probably be around for the rest of his life. We can't take, we can't let things that we don't understand destroy us. This is a clear case of somebody needing to ask for help and not being able to. You know, mm -hmm. so when we see our lives spinning out of control for whatever reason, 
we're trying to get something that we don't know what it is and we're trying to get it from the wrong place. That's time we have to ask for help. Yeah, I love that. It'll be interesting to see how history, you know, continues to write itself because he's not done. I mean, he's still right. got he's still got gas in the tank, but it'll be interesting to see if it's something that they focus on um, down the road as he starts to, you know, wind down and get closer to playing on the Champions League tour, which is basically like a, right. you know, a farewell for the seniors, you know, go out and play a little golf here. So let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Wouldn't you think, because this is, I just have, I have a thought about this. Yeah. I think... That will depend on what they can make more money on. The bad story or the good story? That's true. Right? As long as this guy is able to continue making money for the people that matter, including the news, they're going to stay probably more favorable. Yeah, the narrative will swing towards the positive as opposed to the negative. They got what they needed out of the negative. They were selling, you know, the story. Right. TMZ crushed it. You know, everybody was tuning in. All these tabloids, they got what they wanted. Now, it's... There's a couple things that help this, and winning solves everything. Solves you everything. saw it with Kobe Bryant too. Yep. Nobody ever talked, and you know we had we had an episode about Kobe when uh, over just over a year ago he passed away. It was tough to see, but you know nobody ever really talked about that situation he had up in up in Colorado. You know right. about the 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 allegations that were surrounding him. Winning solves everything, and when Tiger won the Masters in 2019, it's not that this was forgotten, but history looks at him differently because we love. The redemption arc, like I yeah. talked about earlier. We love we love the rise, we love the fall, but damn, it makes good theater when yeah. they come back and win. And in in all honesty, he never, he, we never in a million years would have thought that he would have got to that point where he came back. The body breaking down, the mental aspect of the game of golf, the physical aspect of the game of golf, to see him come back at the level that he came back to win that tournament, I mean, it's it's a Hollywood it's a Hollywood ending yeah. right there. But he's just not done. So it'll be interesting to see if money does play a, a factor and if they swing towards him again. Like if he starts to get closer to Jack's record with each victory in those majors, he gets one step closer to Jack. And Jack was, you know, comparing them across the eras is difficult because Tiger faced stiffer competition than Jack Nicholas ever did. The equipment has changed. But see, they built courses to make Tiger's life difficult, and he still went out and blew them away. So comparing across eras is never a good idea, but it'll be interesting to see if, if the the infidelities will come back up right. if he gets closer to beating it. And and let's be honest, there's race involved here too. Tiger is a is is a black American and Jack is a white American. And there's people to this day who still look at that as the enemy, which is crazy to me in these times, but we know that it's out there. So not to turn not to play race into this, but that too factors in right. some of But I think things. you nailed it though, because Grover said the same thing. Go out and will win something, and they all come totally. back. Totally, they'll all forget. He said he he talked about that in in his in book. relentless, yeah, absolutely. Relentless. I mean, it's a great it's a great opportunity to uh, learn a little bit about you know that's a great book by the way, relentless. I mean, I absolutely love it. So yeah, it shows you impressive. where the motivation is. It does. It shows you where the motivation. It totally is. does. And his dysfunction drove him. And who knows if Tiger would have been as good a golfer as his dad had his dad's dysfunction if he would have just been a regular old uh, you know parent that kind of was like, hey, you do you. Like when when Earl said, you know. We were going to let Tiger be whatever he wanted to be. That That's was the bullshit. biggest bullshit line I exactly. heard in that whole thing. I actually paused it and looked over at Steph. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. And he, you know, he was, here's the one thing that drove me crazy about the documentary. When Tiger would embrace Earl on the 18th hole after every victory, uh-huh. Earl would hold it 
a little longer than I felt necessary. And I thought I had to really do some checking. Like, am I looking for my father's approval this much Uh to where I'm pissed off and triggered because he's getting embraced by his father and I never really did? Or is he playing up to the cameras and saying, look what I did. Don't look at what Tiger did. Look what I did. That, that, that got me. Yeah. And That's I don't interesting. know. I don't know. That was That's that was the my perception was, dude, look at how he holds that embrace a little longer than normal. And then with mom, it's just a quick little hit. With his wife, it's a little quick. But Earl, Tiger wasn't letting go either. Right. So he, but it was Earl was You know, here's it. the thing though, like not to, I'm not trying to challenge you on this, but Jordan did the same thing with his father. Yeah. Those were yeah. like well, and it makes sense, right? I mean, this is their this is their idol. This it's is definitely their God. the bond. It's definitely yeah. There's a bond there, or where the perception of the bond. And is I was anyway. trying to make it as if it was. So I I turned it on me totally, like we always do. But it, that was an interesting piece <laughs> where I was like, that is so interesting that I noticed that out of everything else. I think one of the great things about it, though, is to show that out of every dysfunction, something great can come out of it. It's unfortunate it wasn't balanced, but right. here's the thing. I mean, you can. We can also look at this from from a from a, a more of a God's eye view. These things need to happen in life so that we can all learn. Sure. Right. The question is, who's learning? Who's judging? But if you take a step back and you and you look at somebody else's life and you ask yourself, what does this mean for my life? Like, what can I take out of this for my life? There are many lessons with Tiger and with Jordan and with Kobe. You know that we can. We can all take out. We can all take out. Of Absolutely, it. and it doesn't have to be. I mean, we talk. We're talking about sports figures here, but it doesn't have to be in sport. We can look at you know all manners of people. There's always something to glean from another person's struggles or right. their rise or their their success story, whatever it might be. So I think this is really a, an interesting thing that we're doing here, which we've never really done before. Well, we we kind of did it when we lost some of our heroes like Anthony Bourdain, right. and, and of course you know we, Kobe. Kobe and, you know, dealing with Tiger when he won the Masters. It's really cool to see because it's right in your face and you're seeing yeah. uh, greatness. And I think that's another reason I didn't root for Tiger. I, I It's so interesting. I don't root for greatness all the time. Like, greatness intimidates me because I feel it's as if, oh, who are you to be great, you uh-huh. know? So I don't know. Yeah, just my <laughs> shit. I, I got to bring all my shit yeah. into this because it helps. I'm sure it helping people out there like, yeah, I'm with that guy. But I don't know. Some people probably think I'm a fucking idiot too, but that's all right. It's it's their world. But yeah, it's just cool seeing, you know, like these highlights reels that, that Tiger's done. He's been an amazing force in the game. He's done more good than yeah. harm. And um, like I said, the documentary... It won me over. I do want him to succeed. Yeah, I do want him to great. get there. And HBO does a good job. I would encourage things. people to go out and watch it. And I'd also encourage them to go watch The Last Dance. You know, you're looking at Greatness Personified. Read Relentless by Tim Grover. These are the best of the best. And you can take that. And some people will say, well, I don't relate to uh, golf. I don't relate to basketball. I'm not at that level. Strip the sports away. I know it's hard because they're sports figures. But strip that away and study the mental side of what that takes to be great. And then start exuding that in your own life because you too can be great. Maybe not on the level of a, of a tiger or or a Jordan, but you too can be great in whatever it is that you do. Whatever you do. Yeah. I love it. We're all human, man. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I think, uh, that was good. I like this. We need to do more of these. <laughs> we will. Gotta find we'll out do some. More. Yeah, I got to find some more. Uh, and for people that are, you know, listening in, I'd love for them to definitely go on YouTube, check out the video and then send us some comments about, 
you know, maybe some other people, maybe there's some other people out there that they'd like us yeah. to, to do a deep dive of, into. Yeah, tell us what you thought about the documentary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Cool. All right, man. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff. 